That idea of double-mindedness is what opens the door for discouragement. That is the key phrase or key word as to how it is we seem to get discouraged. Today we're speaking on this subject of discouragement, how to handle discouragement. But I'd like you to write down three very important words. These are key words. They're key in your life and my life. All right. The first word, disappointment. Write that down. Disappointment. The idea of disappointment is something like an undoing where you find something in your life has come undone. Literally, uh, the root word there is appoint, like an appointment. And when you add the prefix dis, it makes it an unappointment or away from appointment as the idea. And so it's the sort of the feeling of, of a defeat. It's not uh, overwhelming. It's just a feeling of defeat. Uh, if we were to compare it with something that would happen to you physically, medically, it's something that would require a Band-Aid. This is a disappointment. And every single one of us have experienced, at different times, in different ways, disappointments. So it's an undoing, sort of a, a feeling of, de of defeat. And so you put a Band-Aid on it. The second word is discouragement. Discouragement. Now this is quite a bit worse than a disappointment. I suppose if we were descending on a, on a scale going down, you know, you're, you're quite a bit further down here on the scale with disappointment. Di I'm sorry, with discouragement. Discouragement is a feeling of being very down. That's the idea of discouragement. This is where your hope becomes threatened. With a disappointment, your hope is not threatened. It's just an undoing requiring a band-aid. But with discouragement, you're now feeling very low, very down. Your hope feels threatened. And medically, we could say, we got to wheel you in for surgery. You're due for some kind of surgery. This is more than a Band-Aid will fix. You need a surgery. And the third word is despair. Despair. Despair is about as low as we get. And what we find here is every day is a black day. Blackness every day. A feeling of blackness, a feeling of gloom, a feeling of being inside some kind of deep pit, suicidal thoughts come with despair. All hope is gone. And you can jot down as a reference beside this 2 Corinthians, so 2nd C-O-R, short form for Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. And these are the words of the Apostle Paul because he's been there, done that. He's experienced this. In verse 8, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble 
which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. Today, they like to call that depression. Now, today, depression is more of a a medical word, clinical word, and with it comes different philosophies, including chemical imbalances and the need for uh, chemicals in your body, shock therapy, things like that. Um, I have a particular problem with some of that. I do believe that the world recognizes the, um, the, the, uh, the situation of being despaired, we'll, we'll say depressed, I, I would think that at this point we could well have some demonic oppression. Not necessarily possession. If you're saved, you can never be possessed by a demon. That's good news. That's good news. But I'll tell you what. They can sure oppress you. They might not be able to get in your house, but they can sure throw stones at your doors and windows. They can sure mess you up from the outside. No question about it. And so, medically, this is more than band-aids. This is more than a surgery. This is death's doors. You're sitting on death's doors at this point, and you need professional help. Now, today I'm not going to be talking about despair requiring professional help. I'm not going to be talking about disappointment requiring band-aids, although there may be some people here today that aren't quite sure how to put a band-aid on their owie. Today I want to talk about this topic number two, discouragement requiring surgery. You say, oh, I could never do that. Well, I have news for you. Oh, yes, you can. It's not as hard as you think if you do it the right way. Every one of us have been discouraged at some point. We've required more than a band-aid. It hasn't been death doors, but it's required more than a, you know, a kiss on the owie. It's been serious enough. Discouragement. I've had a fair bit of experience with discouragement in the ministry over the last 40 years, and I've learned how to come to grips with it. And I want to share with you what the Lord has taught me mainly out of the Scriptures here. And so I encourage you to listen with all your heart as we deal with this business of how to handle discouragement. Now, would you bow your head and close your eyes? We'll have a word of prayer. Our loving Heavenly Father, we know that any good thing that happens to us has got your fingerprints all over it. We know that every good gift and every perfect gift cometh from above. That's what the Bible tells us. And Father, we do not have it in us, that the ability to, to do some things that really only you can do. But we know that if we come to you, we can get those things done. And one of these things is discouragement. And so, dear Heavenly Father, encourage us today as we talk about dealing with discouragement. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
Well, we have before us Psalm 42, a wonderful psalm that uh, Brother Howard led us in the reading. As the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. Definitely, here's someone that has a heart for God. Here is someone that has a desire to reach out and to know God and to touch Him and to walk with Him. And that ought to speak of you and me. We ought to be that way. Now, I know that some people, some good Good Christian people don't quite feel that. I understand that, and I understand why that is. The more we expose ourselves to the Lord, the more we are around Him, the more we will desire Him. You know, in a year's time, we do have visitors who come and go from our church. And there's different reasons why that happens. Sometimes they're only visiting in town for a day. But sometimes it happens because... They're not used to a church that preaches the Bible. They're not used to a church that sings the hymns from their heart. That sings the old hymns. They're not used to a church that invites people to come and spend a moment in prayer at the altar with God. It's too serious for them. It's too much a heavy. They can't take it. And so they take off. They came. They experienced. Not their cup of tea. Off they went. And God bless them. God will lead them along if they're born again. If they're not, we hope they do get born again. But it ought to be our desire to love God and to experience this panting after God. Because think of it. Are we going to heaven, yes or no? Well, who's the main attraction in heaven? Right? And are we going to carry this kind of wet dish rag attitude up into heaven with us? Oh, I'm saved, I'm glad I'm saved, but I don't know, I just can only take a little bit of the Lord, you know. I I can only be around Him for just a short time, and and i got to take a vacation, i got to take a break. But I'll be back next week. (laughs) Can you imagine that in heaven? So why should we imagine that here on earth? I love this psalm, don't you? My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? What a wonderful psalm this is. But the psalmist has gotten discouraged. You see, he says here, um, verse 5, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? You see, he was experiencing discouragement when he felt low. He didn't feel that this was a, you know, a big red letter day. He wasn't up on the mountaintop. He felt down in the valley at this point. Did you know that God wants us to be on the winning side here in this life? Did you know that? That is his desire for our lives, to be on the winning side. You say, but how can we be on the winning side in this crazy world? We have so many things to discourage us. COVID discourages us. Vaccinations discourage us. News of people dying of COVID discourage us. People losing their jobs discourage us. How can we be encouraged and be on the winning side with all of this discouragement around us? Well, all Christians face discouragement, not just in 2021, but the Christians back in the year 2020, they experienced discouragement too. Did you know that? And 
I'm told that Christians as far back as 2019 experienced discouragement before COVID. And I read once where back in 2018, Christians experienced discouragement as well because of all of the the things happening in life. Now I'm just being a little facetious. But for the last 2,000 years, part of our daily life is discouragement. You say, why? Well, it's kind of normal in life anyhow. But also, if you're saved, the devil's got your number. And the devil is going to try to keep you discouraged, to keep you down. You see, you would please the devil if you would just get disappointed, then fall into discouragement, and then sink down into deep despair, and then put a gun to your head and finish the job. The devil would jump up and down and clap with glee if you would do that. But that won't glorify God. That won't benefit anyone. In fact, you'll just make more people worse. You'll drag others down with you. Now, all Christians are affected by discouragement. Now, unfortunately, what a lot of people do in general when they face discouragement is they don't fix it the right way. What they try to do is they try to smother the discouragement with something else. Um, I read a a cute joke uh, in the uh, Charles Schultz, the Peanuts, Charlie Brown and Lucy and all those crazy ones, the Peanuts. And Charlie Brown was talking to one of his little buddies and he said, my father has a wonderful way of dealing with problems with the car. When a car starts making strange noises, my dad just turns the volume up on the radio to drown it out. And do you know a lot of people do that with their problems in life? They try to smother their problems that are discouraging them with different things. Now, what are some of the things people will do to try and smother? You tell me. We, we, we can do that today. We're allowed to do that. So what are some things that people use to try and smother their discouragement? We're getting good suggestions, but they're all coming at once. What? Eating? Yeah. Boy, when you get discouraged, eat, right? And uh, desserts really help too. Okay, what else? Talking out loud? Is that what you... Alcohol. <laughs> Talking out loud. Alcohol is a big, big smotherer. A lot of people try and drown their, their sorrows. What's, what's kissing cousin to alcohol? Drugs, yeah. Different kinds of drugs. They take that. They're discouraged. They take these drugs. What else? Music, someone's, music, yeah, someone's right, whoever said music. Uh, music, they, they turn up the tunes like Charlie Brown's dad. Yes, brother, your hand was up. Again? Oh, they blame others, yeah. Did I tell you I'm going deaf? <laughs> they blame others, yes, exactly. And another one I think I heard back here was shopping. Shopping. When the going gets tough, the tough go shopping. You get the idea? You get the idea what I'm saying? Did I miss any other suggestions, by the way? Sleeping? Yeah, sleeping. By the way, sleeping pills will help you sleep. <laughs> but the whole idea of these things doesn't solve the problem. All it does is smother it. It's like sweeping your dirt under the carpet. There. There, now I can't see the dirt anymore. Well, 
Yeah, there's a lump in your carpet now, right? We need to learn how to deal with the problem. Because as long as we go shopping and we go eating and you know all these other things, all we're doing is we're self-medicating to smother this empty feeling, this down feeling. Folks, we can't do that. Not as Christians. Not as believers. We need to do the right thing. Now, is there anything wrong with eating? Nope. Anything wrong with shopping? I hope not. You get the idea? Now, drugs and alcohol will, you know, leave that off the list, but nothing wrong with sleeping, nothing wrong with music and things, distractions, diversions, nothing wrong with them at all. But if we're depending on them to fix a problem, that's a mistake. It ain't going to work. Not going to work. You know, everyone feels this way. Elijah is a big example of someone who really felt down in the dumps. If you know anything about his life, wow. He had the greatest day of his life. And then the very next moment, Queen Jezebel wrote him a nasty email and said, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you a thousand times. And he then started thinking with his feet and he ran away, took off. That's not a good thing to do. And he was tired and hungry and exhausted and he fell down and cried out to the Lord. And You know, God, well, tell you what, let's come back to Elijah later, okay? But there's, there's others that you wouldn't believe have a lot of experience with discouragement. Charles Spurgeon, many of us know about Charles Spurgeon, great preacher of the 1800s. Let me see if I got it here for you. He wrote, personally, I have often passed through the dark valley of despair. That's the greatest preacher of England who said that. Um, another great preacher named Alexander White. A little different uh, spelling though, W-H-Y-T-E. Um, his biographer that knew him well wrote these words, resolute as was Dr. White's character, he had seasons of deep depression regarding the results of his work in the pulpit and among people. John Henry Jowett, another great preacher, wrote to a friend in 1920. He said, you seem to imagine that I have no ups and downs, but just a level of and a lofty stretch of spiritual attainment with unbroken joy. He says, by no means. I am often perfectly wretched and everything appears most murky. Andrew Bonner, another great preacher, he wrote in his journal on July 4th, 1857, he said, I was very melancholy. I may say on Saturday evening, the old scenes reminded me of my ministry and this was accompanied with much regret for past failures. I see in retrospect so much that was altogether imperfect and so much that was left undone. Another great preacher, G. Campbell Morgan, <laughs> on the 10th anniversary of his marvelous ministry, in London's Westminster Chapel, he shocked his congregation when he said these words, During these ten years, I have known more of visions fading into mirages or purposes failing of fulfillment and of things of strength crumbling into weakness than ever before in my life. Left people with their mouths open. There was a great poet named John Donne, D-O-N-N-E, he considered discouragement to be the damp, D-A-M-P, the damp of hell. That heavy dampness 
of hell. That's what he thought of discouragement. Well, lately, I've had a few discouragements. In fact, the last 22 years of my ministry here at Grace Baptist Church have been marked by a series of discouragements. And in my previous ministry for 18 years in the city of Ottawa, it also was marked by numerous discouragements. I've told you this more than once, that in 1981, when I started the church, got into the ministry, every single Monday, I was so discouraged, I was ready to quit the ministry. Go through the week trying to get encouraged, have Sunday service, Monday, I'd say to my wife, I quit. And then another week, have a Sunday service, Monday, I think I'm going to quit. And that went on for almost the first year. I know something about being discouraged, feeling very low, feeling that, oh boy, this is, this is not going to work. It's the end. Well, I want to talk to you about three words. Courage, discourage, and encourage. And I think this will help clear things up. Number one, the word courage. It actually comes from a Latin word. The root is C-O-R, core. That means heart. That means heart. And that's what courage is. It means having heart. Courage doesn't mean not having any obstacles, not having any enemies. Of course not. In fact, you have to have those in order to have courage. If there's times when you feel discouraged, times where you feel afraid, those are good experiences because it's an opportunity for your courage to now come to the forefront. So this word courage means to have heart. That state of mind which enables us to meet the opposition, opposition to our goal. Now, if a Christian is serving God, he or she ought to have some sort of goals, good goals, involving your family, your church, your business, your spiritual growth, and soul winning. You ought to be involved somehow with goals. If you don't have any spiritual goals, something is not right. Something isn't, isn't right. You should have spiritual goals. So check your heart on this. This is very important. Um, by the way, you will never know how courageous you are unless you have opposition. You have to have this opposition to your goal. So courage is the heart, that state of mind, which enables us to meet the opposition. It doesn't mean not fearing. You can be very afraid and still have courage. You can be very hesitant and still have courage. You can be discouraged and still have courage. You see? The second word is discourage. Now, you know what courage is. It means to have that heart, that state of mind where you're ready to meet the opposition. That's what courage is. Discourage. What do you think it means? Discourage means what? I think someone said it. Yeah, no courage or to take away courage. That D-I-S, right? That prefix, dis in front of courage. Discourage. To take away heart. To take away that state of mind that makes you ready to face the opposition. Remember, you can face the opposition and be trembling. 
and you still have courage. Some people, when they get married, are trembling. They're just shaking and they're having trouble standing upright. They're so scared. But they still want to get married. And so they have the courage to go ahead and say, I do. Even though they're shaking. You see, you can be scared. Maybe tomorrow's Monday. Maybe Monday has got some black cloud over it for you. Maybe you have some apprehension about Monday, going into work or going to school or meeting someone where you're afraid you know, something's going to come your way. You can still have courage. That's what we need these days, I think, with COVID floating around out there. I think we need to have courage. Not to lock ourselves away in a tiny little box, but to live for the Lord, take necessary precautions, but have courage and live for the Lord. How does the Lord want us to live here on earth? If these are the last days, if we only have another month or a few months left to live before Jesus calls us home, how does He want us to be living? In a little box sealed off from every human being? Is that how God wants us to live? It can't be. That's not what the Bible tells us. What do we do about COVID? I think we need to take precautions, but we need to live for the Lord. So this word discourage means to take away heart, to dishearten. The idea is that something or someone has taken away your courage. Now if you say, Pastor, there's been times I've been discouraged. Well, that tells me that something or someone has had a hand in taking away your heart, taking away your courage. Because if you've never been discouraged, you would never say to me, Pastor, I'm discouraged. If you've never been, you'd never say it. But if you've been, you'd say it. And when you say it, it means that somewhere along the line, you've lost heart. Something or someone has helped take away your heart, your state of mind to stand and meet the opposition. It's been taken from you. You're discouraged. I wonder if God takes away courage. I mean, we say something or someone. Is it possible that God has taken away my courage? Now, I'm not going to say no, because I do think that God works in people's lives in different ways, and particularly in unsaved people's lives. People who are not born again, they do not have Jesus Christ living inside of them. God, at times, may take away their courage. Why? To hurt them? Maybe. Maybe to save them from something. Maybe to save them from getting hurt. Maybe God took away their courage. But as a rule of thumb, does God take away our courage as believers? I suggest no, He doesn't. In uh, Joshua chapter 1, verse 6, God spoke to Joshua and said, Be strong and of a good courage. I think that those are words for us today. God wants us to be strong and of a good courage in face of COVID. Hey, did you know you can take all the precautions in the world and still get COVID? Did you know? How many knew that one? Put up your hand if you knew that one. Yeah, we're, we're seeing in the news. God's giving us illustrations of people who've had first, second vaccinations, worn masks, double thickness. You're serious. When it's double thickness, you know what you're doing. Yeah. They've washed their hands. They've washed other people's hands. Somehow they still got COVID. How is that even possible? 
I'm not sure I know, but it is. I know it happens. You can take all the precautions in the world and you can still get it. Yeah. Sad, crazy world we live in. Well, getting back to discourage, God doesn't seem to discourage. All through the Bible, God seems to be encouraging His sons, His daughters, encouraging us, encouraging us. We need it, folks. Let's face it. We need encouragement. So, it means that something or someone else has taken away our courage. So, that suggests that maybe I've let my guard down a little and I've let someone take my courage away. That suggests maybe I wasn't watching and I let something take my courage away. Maybe something happened. Something I didn't like. And so my guard was down. My shield of faith is down. And I get discouraged. More than just a disappointment. Whoosh. I get down. That's what we're talking about today. Although you can use the same principle for disappointment. You can do that. But this is just a little more serious. I'd like you to take your Bible, please, and turn to the book of James, chapter 1. We have here, I believe, a key to help us to understand what's going on. James, chapter 1. There's a key word in the passage I'm about to show you. A key word. And I want you to see if you can find it. James, chapter 1. And um, how about you read with me? Start at verse 5, and we'll finish at verse 8. Okay, 5 to 8. And read it out loud. You folks watching at home, we're depending on you. Read along with us. James chapter 1, verses 5, 6, 7, and 8. Let's begin. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Now folks, there's some real good words here in this little section, but there's one in particular I'm wondering if you've noticed. Maybe it jumped off the page. And it has, it's a key that's going to help us understand something about discouragement. What do you suppose that word or that phrase is? Double-minded. Double-minded. That means having a double mind. <laughs> One mind on the Lord, on His promises. Another mind on the world. It's problems. It's troubles. It's sorrows. And we get this double-minded kind of Christian. Well, I know that God says this, but this is my problem. Right away, we're hooped. We're hooped. That idea of double-mindedness is what opens the door for discouragement. That is the key phrase or key word as to how it is we seem to get discouraged. If you are experiencing discouragement on a weekly basis, or even worse, on a daily basis, that's getting serious. You need to consider double-minded. Now, I said earlier, um, discouragement is like needing a surgery. But this is a surgery that you can do. 
You can do this. You do not need professional help with this. You are able to do this yourself. You're realizing now the cause of the discouragement was a double-minded attitude. Half a mind on God, half a mind on the world. Double-minded. By the way, sometimes it doesn't even have to be 50-50. You can have 60-40 and still get discouraged. Huh? How about 70-30? But the idea is having two minds. Two minds. A lot of Christians have like 30% on God and 70% on the world. Now that makes it a little easier to see why we get discouraged. But a double-minded Christian is going to experience instability. That's what God tells us here. And I think that this is the poison of all courage. Double-mindedness will poison your courage. You remember Peter. Lord, if it's you, bid me walk to you on the water. Remember this story in the scripture? They were out on the boat in the Sea of Galilee. Peter and the other disciples. Jesus came late at night. And he was walking. And the sea was boisterous. And they saw him. They thought it was a spirit. And no, it's me. Peter, right away. Lord, if it's you, bid me come to thee. Remember this? Jesus said, come. Jesus stepped down out of the boat. The moment his sandal touched the water, it felt like hard ground underneath him. He put the other sandal down. Hey, look, Ma. No hands. And he was walking on the water toward Jesus until something happened. What happened? He looked at the what? The waves, yeah. There's your double mind. Half a mind on Jesus, half a mind on the boisterous waves. What was the result? Stability or instability at that point? Instability. Blub, blub, blub. Down he went. And he made that famous Christian prayer, Help! And the Lord was right there to grab him and help him. Boy, what a lesson. eh? Peter never got that chance to walk on the water again. Just to happen that once. So don't go home and try this at, at home, okay? It's not going to work. Not going to work. Yeah. Yes. Well, I've heard funny stories about that sort of thing, but we'll, we'll get back to the message here. I don't want to get too distracted. But discouragement may be God's warning sign to you and to me that we're developing a double mind. If double-mindedness is the poison of courage, and you're feeling discouraged, it may be because you got too much mind on the world and not enough on God. But how can I get my mind all on God? I've got to live in this world. Yeah, you do. You're in the world, but you're not supposed to be of the world. You're God's ambassador in the world. You're His missionary in the world. You're His missionary in the office. You're His missionary at school. You're his missionary when you're out, you know, beside the side of the road there, uh, digging uh, ditches or digging holes to put trees in. Wherever work takes you, you are God's missionary. So God calls you home. That's a better mentality, a better attitude. So when you feel discouraged, it may be that God's trying to get your attention. He's putting up a red warning flag. You know, the light is going off. Eh, eh, eh. something's not right. What's not right? Double-mindedness. I'm only suggesting to this to you 
But I think it's true. I've been walking with the Lord now for going on 47 years. In the ministry for 40. I've counseled, I can't tell you how many people over the years. Searched the scriptures so much. This is what I think. Is that double-mindedness is the poison of courage. And so we have to be careful. A red warning light saying, hey, you're being double-minded. Now sometimes the goal you set in life may be requiring too much of you. It may be, you know, you're, you're pursuing this thing, but you're pursuing it too much in a, almost a worldly kind of way. And it, you're giving it so much devotion that it's causing you to be double-minded. Oh, i got to make the money. i got to make the money. And you're on the treadmill, working hard, working hard. Hey, I can do two treadmills. And you're doing two treadmills, trying to make the money. And you have no time for the Lord. You don't have any time for Him in the morning to get alone with Him. You don't have any time for Him in the evening to get alone with Him. You find it difficult to get to church on Sundays and Wednesdays because those two treadmills. And then you want to add a third treadmill? How many legs have you got anyhow? One is enough, isn't it? So we have to consider that maybe the cause of our double-mindedness and our instability and all this is going back to we set an unrealistic goal. We want to become a millionaire by the time we're this age or something crazy like that. That's what the world does. No wonder the world is messed up. So let's not you and I just follow their example. The Lord expects us to work and to put in a good day's work, but there's a limit to it. You don't need a million dollars. Your heavenly Father's rich. He's promised to meet your needs. So live for Him. Take the stress off. That'll help get some balance back and you can put more devotion on God and what'll happen? You'll get encouraged, not discouraged. Too many people are discouraged because of their workload and what they're doing. Sometimes it's not always for money. Sometimes it's just work that's piled upon them. Sometimes poor old mom can get discouraged because her husband just piles too much work on her and the kids pile all the work on her. All of a sudden, she's doing way too much. And she's work, 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 work from the crack of dawn till midnight. And she, she goes to bed exhausted. No, no wonder she's discouraged. Hey, Dad, we can't let that happen, can we? We've got to protect Mom. We've got to watch out for her. She's our, our, our treasure in earthen vessels. We've got to take care of her, make sure that she's encouraged, not discouraged. So husbands, there's a good ministry for your wife. You get alone with her and you know, look her in the eye and hold her hand and say, Honey, tell me the truth. Are you encouraged most of the time or discouraged most of the time? i got to know so that I can fix it. Husbands like to be fixers. Hooray for the husbands. Yeah, we'll talk about them another day. <clears throat> you get the idea. Things that cause discouragement. So maybe we need to do a little bit of uh, shuffling. We need wisdom. Let him ask of God. We just read that in verse 5. All right. Well, got to move on here. The third word is encourage. So we've looked at courage. That's that state of mind that makes you ready to face the opposition. Discourage, to pull away that state of mind. Or we could say heart, to pull away the heart. Now we have this third word, encourage. And it just simply means that, to bring courage to the table. To bring that readiness. Okay, bring it on. 
You know, we're ready to go. We're ready to face Monday. Got my coffee in one hand, right? <laughs> I got my donut in the other. Bring it on. <laughs> we're ready to go. Well, when we're discouraged, it sort of feels like we're blind and we don't quite know where we're at and we need to know that we're safe. I've read the story of Christopher Columbus, how when he sailed out, he had his ship and two other ships. Let's see, the Santa Maria, the Pinta, and the Nina. Isn't that it? Nina, Pinta, Nina, Pinta, 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 Nina, Pinta, Santa Maria. Anyhow, he had three ships. And there were storms at sea. And he lost a ship, another storm. You know, lost another ship. It was down to one ship. The men crowded in there. And they were discouraged. Some of them were in despair. And they talked of killing Columbus and trying to go back to Spain. And Columbus thought, this is the end of the road for me. You know, any day we could use that miracle now, Lord. And then they saw some driftwood. Driftwood. Wow, that means land is near. And so that encouraged them. It brought in courage. What brings in courage for you? What is it? Is it a bonus on your paycheck? Is that, is that what it takes to bring in courage? Does it, does it, re, nothing wrong with a bonus. Say, hey, don't get me wrong here. Hey, if you get a bonus, praise the Lord for it. Use it right. To be encouraged, uh, does it require someone to come and put their arm around you? Someone to tell you you've done a great job? There's nothing wrong with that. The ministry of encouragement. How about that? The ministry of encouragement. We had Pastor Pennell here last week. Hey, wasn't that great? Weren't you blessed? Boy, I sure was. We gave him an extra big offering, love offering, for a couple of reasons. Number one, here's the man, 50 years in the ministry. He's never dipped his colors. The man has held the torch high for the Lord. Number two, he's retired, living on a, a pension. Number three, it sure is encouraging. So we gave him an extra, an extra boost. And he wrote back, thanking, thanking us for that. So the ministry of encouragement, very important. Um, God often uses people to encourage us. And that's proper. And we all ought to be involved with that. But never let people be your main source of encouragement. I'm going to say this again. God will often use people to encourage us. But do not allow people to be your main source of encouragement. Don't miss this point. Because too many of us do. Too many of us sit there, you know, and we, oh, hum, and oh, woe is me. Wait, what are you doing? Well, I'm waiting for someone to come and encourage me. Well, how long have you... Oh, about two weeks now. Two weeks. Well, how long are you going to wait? Oh, for as long as it takes. This is a mistake, folks. Don't be so dependent upon others to come and encourage you because it's going to happen. They're not going to come. Their ship sunk. They didn't make it. Something happened. They got derailed. No one comes to encourage you. Oh, no. What am I going to do? I'm going to show you what you're going to do. This is the self-surgery part. If a person brings you blessing, accept it. But if they bring you cursing, refuse it. 
refuse it. Learn how to turn the table or close the door on the devil. Some people, their mission in life is to make you miserable. Have you noticed that? Yeah? (laughs) I have people, God has put them in my life to challenge me and to make me miserable. Say, what do you do? What I do is I close the door on them. I mean, hey, if the devil comes to your door, what are you going to do? Open the door, come right in, sir. What are you going to do? You say, ooh, I know who you are. Close the door. We'll not have your kind in here. So you need to learn how to do that. When someone is pointing the gun and firing off the rounds, you need to just put up the shield of faith and vamoose, get out of there. Learn how to close the door. That's very important. Don't pick up bigger guns and fire back. God says, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Every one of the people that God has put in my life for the last 47 years of being, almost 47 years of being a Christian, God has dealt with them. God knows how to deal with them. So, well, why, why does he bring them into my... Because I need them. I need the challenge in order to get stronger and raise my level of faith. Learn how to keep my shield of faith up. They keep me on my toes. I don't like it, but that's what happens. And I just leave them with God. Um, I want you to see something. And it's the last verse of Scripture I want you to see. It's in the Old Testament. But I want you to see our main source of encouragement. Go there with me now, please, to 1 Samuel. And we're going to uh, finish on this. 1 Samuel and chapter number 30. 1 Samuel chapter number 30. I want you to see what David did. This is before he was king. He had the good sense to do this. But he was not only disappointed... I think he had moved past discouragement. I think he was down in despair when this happened. But he was out there trying to serve the Lord with his band of merry men. And as they were out there chasing the bad guys away, other bad guys came to their camp and stole all their goods and their wives and children, took off with them all. David and his crew get back home, busy day at work, chasing off the bad guys. There's no home. Everything's gone. Everyone's gone. And they had a fit. They were beside themselves with despair. Then they looked at David. And some of them said, this is your fault. If you hadn't have taken us out there, we would have been here. We would have been able to save our wives and children. And they talked about killing them. They wanted to kill David. So, we're in uh, chapter 30, and we get to verse 6. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. Now take your pen or pencil and underline these next words. 
Or if you're using your phone or laptop, do some kind of highlight and swipe your finger across the words and highlight it in bright yellow. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. There is your main source for encouragement. It's not another human. It's not money. It is the Lord your God. This is how you cure the problem. If you smother your problem with shopping, drinking, alcohol, sleeping, you know, sports, anything, you smother it, the problem's still there. It's just been smothered. It's still there. What you need to do is deal with the problem. And the way you deal with the problem is you go to the Lord. And God will encourage your heart. Remember the story of the two buckets? The happy bucket and the sad bucket? Remember this wonderful story? The two buckets met together one day and one was so very happy and the other was so very sad. And the, the, the happy bucket said to the sad bucket, Pray tell, why are you so sad? And the sad bucket <laughs> said, Every time I get, I get full, then I get empty. Ooh. And then he said, Why are you so happy? And the happy bucket said, Because every time I get empty, I know where to go to get full again. David knew where to go to get full again. He went to the Lord. And that's what you and I need to do. God will encourage us. Here it tells us David encouraged himself in the Lord. If you get discouraged and you come to me and say, Pastor, I'm so discouraged, and I help you with your problem, and you get all encouraged, and you leave my office, and you know, your boy, you're happy, and then you get discouraged again, you come knock my door again. Well, I'm discouraged again. All right, come on in. We sit down. We talk about it, that, and the other. We pray together. Maybe sing a psalm together. Oh, you're all encouraged. Off you go. And then a week later, a day later, you come knocking my. I'm all discouraged again. Well, when will this ever end? It's better for me to show you how to encourage yourself, right? That's what we're doing here today. You give a man a fish. You feed him for what? A day. You teach a man how to fish. You feed him for a, a life. Right? And that's what we're doing here. We're learning how to do self-surgery. We're learning to examine, well, are my goals too unreasonable? Am I running on three treadmills at once? Ooh, maybe I should, you know, cut out two of those three. Hmm? Are you listening to too much discouragement? Hey, if you're discouraged, the last thing you want to do is listen to some of this country western music. Oh, my gal, she left me in the lurches. Oh, and I'm going to cry forever. And you're discouraged and you're going to listen to that? Oh, I'm... Please don't. No, what you need to do is go and encourage yourself before the Lord your God. You say, well, how do I do that? All right. Write this down. I'll tell you how to do it. I'm showing you how to fish. If you knock on my door in a week's time and you say, oh, I'm discouraged, the first thing I'm going to ask you is, show me the notes you took on Sunday. <laughs> if you got no notes, I got no time. No ticky, no laundry. All right. 
What should you do? Number one, remember Elijah? He was so discouraged. God's prescription for him was to relax. So that's what you write down, relax. Or rest, if you like. Rest, relax. By the way, he got to eat. For those of you who who kind of are a little fond of eating, uh, God had prepared a nice meal. Angel food for him. Wow, you got to read the story sometime. It's great. But the idea was relaxation. Little R and R. You got to get away. Take a little vacation. You got to rest and relax. Number one. Number two. Read the Psalms. You'll find so much encouragement in the Psalms. Sometimes the psalmist begins with, Oh Lord, I'm so upset. And then by the time you get to the end of the psalm, he's saying, Praise your name, Lord. We're going to get through this. Read the Psalms. Number three, pour your heart out before God. So important. Tell God exactly how you're feeling. If you are mad at God, if you think God has done something to to you, tell Him, Lord, I'm sorry, but I think this is all your fault. Be honest, honest, honest with your Heavenly Father. Number four, close the door on Satan. Close that door. And it may be coming at you negative stuff through music, through internet, through people. They may be yakking at you with all kinds of horrible stuff. Close the door on the devil. Number five, count your blessings. Count your blessings. You will be amazed what that alone will do for you. Just like the song says, and it will amaze you what the Lord has done. Surprise you what the Lord has done. Now listen, there's one last thing that will bring encouragement from God and that's knowing that you are obeying Him. Knowing that you're doing what He's requiring you to do as a Christian. Obeying God. Number one, obviously I'm assuming you're born again, you're saved. Hey, if you're here today and you're not saved, you're not born again, you can come on the invitation and ask God to forgive your sins to come into your heart, to be your Savior. That's what I did on April the 6th, 1975, and that's when I was born again and saved. And you can do that, but you got to mean it. Mean business with God. But you're saved, all right. Have you been baptized scripturally since you've been saved? Oh, I had water poured on me when I was a baby. Then you've never been baptized. Baptism means full immersion. That's what the word means. And the Bible teaches us it's for believers after we get saved. Baptism doesn't save you. Baptism doesn't get you to heaven. It's not faith plus baptism. It's faith and faith alone. For by grace are ye saved through faith. So after you're saved, you need to be baptized. You say, does it affect my salvation? No. But it affects your relation with God, your fellowship with God, because He asks us, to be baptized, publicly identifying with Jesus Christ. That's what baptism is all about. Public identification with Jesus Christ. It's an act of obedience. Um, The second one, church membership. Church membership is very important because you affiliate with a body, a local body of believers who love the Lord like you love the Lord. It's taking an active involvement in serving God, being part of a local family. Too often in this world, we have people who want to live together, but they don't want to get married, right? That's, happen- That's the norm these days, isn't it? 
And when people have an interest in each other, what's the first thing they want to do? They want to go to bed with each other. Hey! What a world. It used to be, you know, we would first make sure we're spiritually um, connected and then we make sure we're mentally, emotionally connected. Then there's the marriage and then we become physically connected. That's God's plan. That doesn't always happen, does it? But God's plan for us after we're saved is to be baptized, to be part of a local church, to be a member, a serving member in a local church. And of course, that, that is the, the last one there is service, serving Him. Folks, we can't be bumps on logs. We've got to be active serving the Lord. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. He wants us to bear fruit. And if we don't bear fruit, He may chop us off. It's important that we be fruit bearers. Doing these things will help bring the approval of God. They won't bring salvation. They'll bring the approval and the encouragement from God. I wonder if God has spoken to your heart today. If you want to get a victory, a lasting victory over discouragement, well, this is how it's done. You don't smother the problem. You deal with it. I want to encourage you to come on the invitation and ask God for the wisdom and for the heart, the courage to meet your opposition and to encourage yourself daily in the Lord. Let's stand to our feet. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.